Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, Dr. Kristen Suhani is our featured guest. Dr. Suhani is an assistant professor at NYU's Grossman School of Medicine in New York, and she'll be talking with us about how exercise helps to address major life stresses. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health podcast. And now let's hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Kristen Suhani. And Dr. Kristen Suhani is joining us now. You're an assistant professor there in the Department of Psychiatry at NYU Grossman School of Medicine. Tell us a little bit about the school and what you do there. Yeah, so I am an assistant professor, as you said. I'm a clinical psychologist, and primarily I work in research, and my research is in exercise interventions and promoting exercise to help with mental health, so depression, anxiety, PTSD. I do some clinical work as well with patients, kind of working with them for their anxiety, depression, PTSD too, but primarily I'm working in research. And you published quite a number of documents, about 30 or so documents, and the one that I saw that really got my attention was a post article entitled Physical Activity May Buffer Against Depression and Promote Resilience After Major Life Stressors. And we all know that we take buffets and bruises throughout our life and the importance of diet and exercise. We all know that. But sometimes if you don't connect the dots, you don't see the picture. And I think you've connected some dots here that I don't know that a lot of folks have thought about. And that conversation that we had that I enjoyed so much for the (laughs) brief time during the news break there. Let's say we have a major life stress or you lose your job. Boom. Or in trucking, Mm -hmm. about five or six years ago, there was a notorious case where about two days or so, about a week before Christmas, a trucking company just shut down and stranded drivers all over the country. That sort of thing. And then Mm -hmm. divorce or a death, that sort of thing. Those hit you hard. And I never really thought about being physically fit, if you will, or at least having an exercise program of your own could really help you withstand some of those traumas. And you've Mm -hmm. really opened a door here that I'd like you to kind of walk through with us. Sure. Absolutely. So that's what we found here in this study. We looked at kind of three different time points. And what we saw was that if people were doing a lot of exercise in the time kind of before one of these stressors, like you mentioned, divorce, job loss, the death of someone close to us, that helped them to not develop as many depression symptoms after the stressor happened. And there are a lot of theories about why that is. One is that we just know exercise in general helps to keep our mood up. So it might be just something that is keeping us in a good space, you know, so that we're in a good space before we hit that stressor. But we also know that exercise does a lot physically for us too. So it helps us to kind of be better when a stress response hits us just something that gets our heart racing, gets our breathing changing, causes changes in our body that if we're physically fit and have been exercising, that it can kind of help against those body changes that occur with a stressor too. It's kind of interesting. I hope I'm not pulling a false parallel and stop me if I am. But on Highway to Health, we've talked a lot about the gut informing the brain. We always thought the brain was the control center and it was telling all of our organs and systems what to do. And now we understand, eh, not really. Can we expand that from the gut onto the bicep, so to speak? 
<laughs> I think so. I mean, I think it's probably going back and forth that they're talking a little bit because I think some of it is that we're seeing these cognitive or mental changes and the way we think about things, the way we interpret things, but also like just the way our body is better capable of handling stress too mm-hmm. if it's in a position where we've exercised a whole bunch. Timing is everything, as we all know, and most of us, including myself, find that out the hard way. So how do you prepare for something that you don't know is going to happen or that you don't know when is going to happen? And it's almost like, well, I'm on guard now. So you don't want to develop some kind of a false outlook, maybe, about exercising here because when something bad happens, I'll be ready for it. And then when you're not as ready as you think you're going to be, what happens then? In other words, there's a reason why a psychologist in the Department of Psychiatry is talking about this as opposed to an exercise person. Yes, absolutely. So I think that is a really good point. We don't want to make ourselves like hypervigilant and kind of looking out for when the threat is going to come and get us but instead to think about exercise differently, right? To think about it as I'm doing this right now to help me feel good right now in this present moment. The good news is that if you think about it that way, you'll feel good in the moment, but it's also going to help you when the time comes when you do face up against the stressor. And I say when because stressors come and get us no matter whether we want them to or not. If we can kind of be more in the present moment and think about exercise for now, as opposed to for these looming threats in the future, it can be really helpful. And you and I talked about this briefly during the news break. So I'm going to kind of take maybe a little roundabout here just for a moment and do a parallel that you did agree with. And that is this. Yesterday, Dr. Gina Anderson from Learn with Luma was on, and we were talking about the new approach to make people want to not text while driving because it's socially acceptable and taboo. In other words, to kind of change the way we think about stuff as opposed to relying on the tried and true and it ain't true laws and the enforcement of those laws. Those two things have been the foundation for preventing distracted driving, and it's not working. Evidently, it's not going to work. So we won't do the old doing the same thing over and over again, trying to get Mm -hmm. a different result. Let's do something completely different. You're looking at exercise in terms of the purpose, if you will, of it in a sense, or one of the purposes of it Mm -hmm. in a different way. And I wanted to ask you, in general, is this an age of where we are starting to shed our skins of knowledge a little bit, almost like reptiles and kind of coming up with some new ideas that kind of supplant some of the old ideas in general? Are you feeling that? I think so in a way. I'm a researcher, so I'm a scientist, and I think that's good science. If we can kind of look at a problem and think about, hey, something's not working here. And the problem with exercise is that people will say, exercise is great for you. I know I should be exercising. I want to exercise. And then people are not doing it. So that's been a problem for ages. So if we take a look at that problem, part of it is how can we tackle this and maybe do it in a different way? And part of that might be just rethinking how we motivate people to exercise and the why behind it. Everything old is new again. There was a song Mm -hmm. written back in the 1930s by Cole Porter, and no truer words were spoken. Because in our discussion with Dr. Anderson yesterday, Dr. Suhani, I brought up President Dwight Eisenhower, who said leadership is the ability to get someone to do something because they want to do it. And I just say, hey, are we getting rid of old thinking with new thinking, but maybe we're bringing some old thinking back in with a new coat of paint on it. (laughs) 
Absolutely. I think that's a great quote. That quote resonates a lot for exercise too, because that's what we think is the core of it, is getting people to do exercise because they like to do it, because they're getting rewarded for it immediately, which is the mood benefits you get from exercise. And if we could find some things that you can hold on to is, oh, exercise helps me feel better, or I feel accomplished after I do it, or feel more energetic, then that's the way to get your foot in the door. We're talking about your study. Let's talk about the study itself when we come back from a quick break. Very interesting group of people that are in the group, and I almost made the cut, and I'll tell you what I mean by that when we come back in just a moment. You're listening to the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again, RadioNemo.com. Now folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to the Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on the Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And Dr. Christian Suhani is with us, Assistant Professor in the Department of Psychiatry at NYU Grossman School of Medicine. Maybe you pipe in some music once in a while? Of course, you got to listen to music to enjoy your exercise, too. <laughs> we have a caller, if you would like to take a call, up in Idaho. And he goes by the CB handle of Baywatch. Good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to agree with the doctor. A couple of years back, my youngest nephew, who was in the Army, passed away. And that same year, my oldest nephew, who was a Marine Corps officer, passed away. Then my friend... Actually, my best friend who came home to visit his daughter, her 18th birthday was murdered. And then my son also passed away from a heart attack. And that year, I kept all that bottled in. I still did my exercising because I have a dog that rides with me. and She and I go out and do things together. The doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and what was going on. I had no enzymes showing that I had a heart attack. I had nothing showing any problems. Well, then a cardiologist came in with his book and goes, what's going on? So I told him what had happened that whole year. And he goes, well, I know what's wrong with you. It's called broken heart syndrome. So what we're going to do is we're going to cast you and find out where the damage is done in your arteries. Well, needless to say, I told him, I heal fast. And he goes, well, I hear that from everybody. And I said, no, really, I heal fast. Well, after he was done with the surgery, he noticed that I had to have my stitches out two weeks before he normally would take them out because otherwise my skin would have grown over it. This has been about a year later, did another echo on my heart and noticed that I'm in the 50 to 55% ejection rate, which is almost perfectly normal. And he's just blown away by all the things. And it's like you said, I do things with my dog, I'm active and things like that. And I think that's what really helped me out a lot. 
Absolutely. That's a lot of tragedies to have to go through in a short time frame. So I'm sorry you had to experience all that. But it does sound like the fact that you were doing a lot of exercise beforehand and kept that up during this time frame, I'm guessing kind of helped you keep going just mood wise. And also it sounds like repaired your body a lot more quickly, which helps on both ends, our mind and our body. It's great. It's kind of a double whammy. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. The doctors, like I said, were amazed. Even my DOT doctor, when he got the report this year, was blown away. He says, nobody's ever gotten better. They've always stayed the same or got worse. And he says, you have just changed all the stats in our books. Wow, that's incredible, man. Again, as Dr. Sahani said, thanks for sharing that because I think it gives people, again, a different perspective, Dr. Sahani, that they can overcome. We can overcome, just like the song says. Absolutely. The importance of these sorts of challenges, it can be hard to get yourself out there and doing things, but having things that get you out and about, like a dog, that it kind of forces you to be out and be active. Those could be really useful, not only for support during those hard times, but also to keep you active, too. Kind of makes you want to say, well, there's a reason for everything. There's a reason that you have that dog, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And you can mm -hmm. kind of circle around those kinds of boosters, I guess you might say. I said I almost made the cut. It's a very interesting group of people that you studied in your study. They're folks born between 1931 and 1947, so they range from 76 to 92 years old. I'm 74, so I almost made the cut. But when you've been around as long as us folks have, you've been through a lot and you've seen a lot and you've overcome a lot because you made it. So is that one of the reasons why you looked at these folks? Because they've been there, done that, so to speak. I think in some ways we have a set of people who has been through a lot, right? And a lot of things happened in those years, too. So we get the kind of the perspective of lots of different types of environmental stressors, stressors in the world that people face and how they come out. But I think the other thing is that this is an amazing data set because they follow these people every two years for many, many years in a row, which is kind of unheard of in our type of research. So it's really nice to have that kind of long-term perspective to really be able to see how does exercise before somebody encounters one of these stressful life events impact things over time. Boy, if timing is everything, then time is something that you have to really have to make something really worthwhile. So this is what is known as a longitudinal study as opposed to a cross-sectional study. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of just tell us the differences in those two types of studies and why longitudinal is pretty much the only way you can go here? But again, it takes some time. Absolutely. So most studies are cross-sectional because they're easier, and that just means that every person is assessed or kind of given the questionnaires at the same time point, the same moment in time. So that would be if I were to give people from ages 18 to 90 a questionnaire right now, I could compare different age groups and things like that, but they would all be at the same time point. A longitudinal study like this study is something where they do the same assessment at many different time points over time. And this is done over years and years, like decades worth of time every two years. And what that can tell us is how do things develop and change over time, which is really useful because we can see, like in this study, that exercise before a stressor can help buffer against it, which we would never be able to do in a, kind of a single time point study. 
Exactly. So when a longitudinal study is done, it really has a lot of impact because now you can really start working with it. Whereas the cross-sectional one, that's more of a snapshot. And it doesn't tell you where you've been or where you're going. It's just a snapshot in Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this felt like a snapshot in time, too. (laughs) You are dealing with a head cold. Thank you so much for putting up with us here this morning. We hope you feel better and hope you come back, too. Thank you so much. It was great being here. And I hope the message that can be taken from this is to try to sneak in exercise where you can, pay attention to how it affects your mood, and hopefully it'll also help your stress. That closes out this edition of the Highway Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway to Health Podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo.